Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 97 of The Yacking Show, the show for awakening you to new perspectives. And we talk about life, business, and more. We like to bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we find ourselves in these days. If you like our show, please subscribe on the channel you're watching or listening on. Uh, could be YouTube or BitChute, one of the podcast channels. The more subscribers we get, the more we can get our guests some exposure. And you might well be a guest on our show one day yourself, so you know what we mean. As always, we have interesting guests lined up for you. Today's is no exception, and it's going to be a really good one for those of you who are interested in marketing and digital marketing. But it's not my job to introduce our guest. Our co-host does that so much better than I do. Let me hand over to Kathleen down there in Waterloo. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. And... uh... Thank you for that intro and thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Matt Rouse. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. You're one of the founders of Hook SS. Uh, pardon me, Hook SEO LLC. Mm-hmm. You're also a host of the Digital Marketing Masters podcast, and you're also an author. Wow. So Matt, tell our audience a little bit about your background and what led you into the digital marketing area. Sure. So I grew up in Canada, and uh, I worked for some fairly large companies at the start of like the uh, broadband internet era like cable modems and and that kind of when it started to transition mm-hmm. out of phone and dsl and stuff and a lot of them had started making internal websites for their clients um so if they were like support websites and things like that they would, they would have emails that go out to those clients so i started working in that um then i moved to the united states um in 2001 to be an it contractor basically an information systems contract is actually um, for a marketing agency um, that was contracted me out to Intel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked with Intel several times. Uh, I worked a few times with Nike and some other large companies all around Oregon. And I always worked in the marketing departments. And then I started my own business on the side uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, 2012, I took that full time. Uh, as as a web development and advertising shop. In 2014, I merged with my business partner, Scott Burson's business, uh, Crucial Solutions. Mine was called Oregon Voodoo. And we put those mm-hmm. two together and made Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Um, and now we have um, Hook SEO is the United States uh, company. And we also have uh, Hook DM, which is Hook Digital Marketing in Canada. Okay. Um, we also have... Um, and office in Costa Rica as well. Mm. Wow. Wow. So we've, we're really good at growth. And uh, that's important when you're going to help people grow their business. Yes. You need to know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's right. So, so, Matt, I've looked at your website and you're a really interesting guy. And our, our audience are going to appreciate that as we go through on this podcast. But um, what's your mission in life? Tell us about, tell our audience about that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but right now my mission is trying to help companies get better at email marketing because I'm really annoyed every time I open my inbox. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if any of you are, 
Yes. How many times do you open your inbox and you just see a bunch of garbage in there and you're like, who is sending this stuff? Right. Yep. And there's, there's, there's a better way. Right. And, uh, and for most marketing, I can tell you, this is not a popular subject, uh, but I, I hate to have to bring it up, but it's true. And that is that most of the internet is filled with crap, right? Yeah. Like there is just billions and billions of pages, literally billions of pages of stuff that no one is ever going to read. And if they did, mm -hmm. they wouldn't want to read it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really important that companies understand that you're not just pumping out emails and blog posts and social media posts that are just drivel over and over and over just to have something out there. You know, you got to have some substance and some connection and some emotion and stuff to them. Yeah. So anyway. I'm going to throw something in before I sure. get back to Kathleen. That is, is part of the problem. I, I've been fiddling around with the internet again since the early 2000s or so. And, uh, I, I think some of the problem is the early people who were perceived as gurus and yourself excluded, of course, seem to push content above everything and consistency. You've got to do one blog post a week or you've got to do two blog posts a week with the, the quality aspect as a sort of afternote. And I, I just right. feel, feel talking to a lot of other people who've been in blogging and website content creation that they grew up or matured with that philosophy of, quality rather than quantity, quality and consistency rather than quantity. And I, I see there's a hangover of that. Am I right in that or, or You're not? 100% right. Here's what happens. Somebody writes a blog post in 2003 that says you need to blog for your company every week. Mm -hmm. And then somebody in 2005 copies it and somebody in 2006 copies that one. And they copy it and copy it and copy it and copy it. And then you read an article on Medium in 2021 and it's the yeah. same as something you read in 2003 about blogging. Right? Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with reusing content. The problem is reusing content that's no longer relevant. Yep. 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 And, yep. and you're absolutely right. Consistency is important, right? So say Kathleen and I are going to go out, we're going to start a book club. So every week we're going to tell everybody what the new book is, right? Mm -hmm. And then people are going to read the book. Well, mm -hmm. if we said we're going to do it every week, but we only went there once a month, nobody else would come. That's right. Right. So yep. You have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. But if we went there and we had the same book every week, nobody would want to do it, right? Of, of course. The books, yep. the books were like something that people aren't interested in. They're not going to do that either, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there has to be both that quality uh, and consistency. But what people are forgetting, and I shouldn't say forgetting, what people probably don't know or even understand at all is that the new measurement of everything online is a combination of attention and engagement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even an email, here's the thing. Most people have never even heard of such a thing as what I'm going to tell you right now. And that is when you send, you have a large list, like a large email list, you send a whole bunch of emails to a specific provider, like that's Hotmail, Gmail, Comcast, you know, Shaw.ca, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Those providers often have a pre-filtering system Mm -hmm. that will deliver, say you're going to deliver a thousand emails to Gmail, mm -hmm. they'll actually deliver about a hundred. Yep. And if all those people delete them or mark them as spam, they don't even deliver the other 900. They just delete them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. put them in a spam box. They don't go anywhere. They're just gone. Just gone. They never get there. Right. But if one or two people engage with that email and click on it, they'll deliver the rest of your messages because they say, okay, okay somebody wants 
somebody's engaged with it, it must be at least useful to some people. Let's get it in there. If a whole bunch of people do, they deliver them, they put them in the inbox instead of the spam box. Right. It's about engagement. Uh, yep. So, so yep. Matt, is there then a secret sauce to effective email marketing? There is. The problem is that it's it's more like uh, uh, like a secret five course meal to email marketing, right? <laughs> yeah. Rather than just one uh, one sauce, because you have to get the first piece you have to get right is getting the right people onto your list. Okay. Because if you don't have the right people to deliver your message to, it doesn't matter what you tell them. That's true. Then the second piece is getting your email delivered, which means you have to get it from you into the person's mailbox. And then the third piece is you have to make sure that your emails land in the inbox instead of a promotions folder or an updates folder or a spam folder. Oh, right? that because I know now once you've done that, yeah. Well, that's only step three, right? Yeah. Step four, you got to make sure that they open it, right? Because yeah. if they don't open it, they can't read it. And so the finally, the the part that everybody spends the most of the time on is the fifth thing. Mm -hmm. which is once somebody reads the email, how do you get them to take the action you want them to take? Right. That's the fifth part. Yep. Well, what they do is they forget about the other right. four. Right. So, and it doesn't matter how good your fifth part is if the other four are no good and the person's not getting to number five. Absolutely. And the other four, you got to have them right or else you're, you're losing people along the way every single step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, out of curiosity, we sure. don't want to, to give it all away, I'm sure, but... Um, the, I, I see a lot of emails coming to my promotions folder rather than to my inbox. Why is that happening? And how, as if I'm sending an email out, how do I prevent that from happening? A lot of times they're based on what's called trigger words. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. So trigger word would be something like sale, right? Mm -hmm. Or discount or promotion, mm -hmm. or, you know, there's all kinds of trigger words. Um, and the trigger words kind of help the email provider sort those. Okay. Um, it's also, it's going to depend on who your provider is. So say it's Gmail. Gmail made the promotions folder because they wanted to take the emails out of your inbox so that the only way to reach those customers would be to buy Google ads, right? Yeah. They didn't do it for your help, right? Right. They right. wanted to make sure that if you're going to get a promotion, you better go search for that thing on Google and click on a, on a Google ad to get it rather than see it in your inbox, right? Right, right. Um, however, if somebody has your email address you're sending from mm -hmm. in their contact list, mm -hmm. like in their, um, in their list of, of you know, uh, people that they have email with, and there's, there's a number of ways to do that, um, it almost always goes to your inbox instead of the promotions folder because by adding them, adding that address into your address book, or your contacts folder, you're telling Google that that's someone that you stay in contact with mm -hmm. and that they should deliver those emails to you. Right, right I have another right. question actually. What about sure. templated emails? So if you've got a few clients that you want to communicate with and, and you're just doing a standard templated email, you're just switch, swapping names, what, how does Gmail deal with that? Well, it's smart enough to know that when you just switch out the first name and last name on the email that, you know, that it's actually all the same email. Okay. okay. Um, but I, I'd say that that's pretty common and it's not really too much of like a spam signal. 
Oh, okay. Usually, I was, I was yeah. wondering if it might be a spam signal. So there's a thing called spam scoring. Mm-hmm. And spam scoring is different for every piece of software that companies use to determine if something's spam or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for example, our company, we have our own mail server for ourselves. And we have our own spam filtering software. And I can see when an email comes in, if it's you know the same email, but they're just changing the name on it to go to different people, it'll put the spam score up by about one point. Okay. And then there's usually a threshold set. And so that threshold on our mail server is, you know, six or seven. So if there's six or seven things in the email that increase the spam score, Mm -hmm. if it gets above seven, then it goes into the spam folder. And if it's under seven, it goes into the inbox. So scoring system might be like, okay, it's templated email. So that's one. Uh, Maybe it came from a uh, email domain that we've never received email from before. So that'd be another Mm -hmm. point. And maybe they don't have some of their DNS configured properly. So that's another point. Um, it used the word sale. So that's probably worth two points, you know, and then, yep. so it just adds up the score. And then once it gets over that, whatever threshold that we've set, it determines if it goes into the inbox or the spam box. Ah, right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Because the, the case Kathleen talking about is, is our own experience, Kathleen. Why don't you tell Matt exactly what happened? Because it could be sure. interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, Peter. Which what are you referring to? Well, the te- I'll, I'll, let me let me take it over, Matt. We we send out a templated email after after mm-hmm. the show. Once you've done the show, when we send the video link for you to look at the video on YouTube, unlisted, there's quite a lot of words in that email. So we have a template. So all we do, we send exactly the same wording with different links, obviously, and a different name and a different mm-hmm. to to address, and. As, as Kathleen's noticing, quite a few of our clients saying, I didn't get that. It went straight to my spam folder. Right. So that's why we're talking about the templated email. So there is um, something that we tested very similar, actually. And it was a follow-up email when we have people on my own podcast. Mm-hmm. And what we were sending them, we were like, here's a link to get our logo. Here's a link to mm-hmm. you know your recording. Here's a link to a clip. Here's a link to this. Here's a link to that. And... When we got over about five links, it was increasing the spam score by a couple points. When we got over uh, 10 links, it was really increasing it heavily. And the reason uh, that we were over 10 links is that our email signature already had five links in it. Right, right. So what we did right. is we sent it without the email signature. Yeah. And it immediately dropped the spam score and people started getting it again. Okay, okay, interesting. Really, interesting. the signature made that much of a difference. Yeah. yeah, it can when you have, because you're, you're linking to all these different domains. Yeah. I mean, it, well, you're gonna get, you have to think about when a person sends an email to another person, right? Like a consumer mm-hmm. or a business person to another business person they already know. It is very rare that they would, well, number one, even have a signature besides their name if they're not a business person. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, business people have two links in their, in their signature. Mm-hmm. One is their email, send me an email at this address, and one is their company address, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if they're sending back and forth to each other, it's pretty rare that they have more than one link in it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So okay. the less links that are in your email, the more likely that it's not going to be put in the spam folder. So the less links, the better. Okay. Okay, so that's a good a good tip for our newsletter that we send out. We tend to have uh, about eight links in our newsletter. Yeah, good good one. We cut down on the links. So my mm-hmm. last newsletter I sent out had zero links. Okay, I just sent it, 
It's a story, it's information. And it says, if you're interested in this thing, reply. Right. Right. And that way I can have zero links. Yeah. Yeah. We have to have a couple because we're publicizing the show. We won't we right. tell everyone Absolutely. what episode, you know, what we published this week and what, okay, good point. We've got to watch that. Wow. So let me carry on if I can, Kathleen. Um, where are companies failing in their email marketing? I think you've covered part of that. Is there anything else we should be looking at? I think the biggest thing that they're failing at is in the creative that they're using when they're sending their emails mm -hmm. and that being, you know, what photos and what actual text are you sending to people? And what happens is you kind of get, there's a couple different buckets that usually it falls into with your small to medium sized companies. One of them is every single email is a sale, right? So it's sale, 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 sale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you're training people not to buy anything from you unless it's on sale. Yes. Right. Okay. So at that point, if every, if everything that you send has to be a sale, then you might as well just put a continuous coupon code. You might as well mark your whole store up 20% and give everybody a 20% off coupon because you're going to end up with the same amount of money anyway. Right. Right. Um, but also what happens is people will stay on your list, but all they're doing is looking at whatever the percent number is in the subject line. Okay. So they go and they look and they look and they look and they go 20 and eh, 22 and 25 and oh, 30% off. Oh, maybe I'll go buy that thing now. Right. 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 Now the other one is you get companies who maybe have more than one department or they have um, kind of a couple areas of their business. They want to, um, like market for, and then someone in the company, maybe it's a CEO or CMO, whatever, right? Somebody says, okay, well, we got to get on email marketing because, you know, we haven't been doing it. We have this list. We're not using it. Or, you know, we need to up our game because Forbes said my open rate should be 12%, but it's eight, you know, whatever the reason is. And then they go, okay, uh, Janet, you're in charge of the email list now. Janet, has no training in email marketing whatsoever. So she goes to each department head and says, I need you to have someone at, in your company, you know, in your department, send me something for the newsletter each month uh, or week okay. or whatever. Then they each find someone in their department who doesn't have any training either. <laughs> and they put all this stuff together and nobody wants to write it. And then, you know, somebody's got to edit it and go through it. And you get this just drudgery of, of, just garbage that nobody's going to read, right? Nobody mm -hmm, cares, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like what happened with this or that. And there's a million better ways to do it. I mean, you can, you can name just about any business on the planet. Somebody somewhere has written a brilliant newsletter for it, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my favorites is this plumbing company out of Texas. And uh, I, I won't use their name on top of my head, but we don't want to, you know, free marketing for everybody kind of thing. But anyways, they have a brilliant newsletter. It's called Will It Flush? And every <laughs> single month, they'll send you an email that has a description of what they're going to use and everything. And then there's a video embedded in there. You click, you go to their YouTube channel, and you get to see a video of if something will flush down the toilet or not. And is it going to ruin your plumbing if it does? Oh, lovely. Lovely. <laughs> it's brilliant, right? But nobody would go, oh, I want to sign up for the, you know, Austin Plumbing Newsletter or no, something, no, right? No. But if you want to send and get a video every month of people flushing blenders and crap down the toilet, then sure. <laughs> right? So Matt, oh, brilliant. The, the idea of digital marketing can be so overwhelming for a lot of companies out there. So for small to medium-sized businesses, 
where do they start? What would your advice be to those companies? Well, unless you're a brand new company, you probably already started, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they usually they're going to have at least a couple social media accounts, probably Facebook and Instagram or Twitter, right? And uh, they probably have somebody in their company who said, okay, your job is to post three times a week on Facebook and three times a week on Instagram or whatever, right? And, uh, you know, they're blogging. Um, they're trying to get it done as quickly as they can, you know, because they have 15 other things they got to do every day. Um, what companies really need to do is figure out who, who exactly is it I'm trying to reach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When I do reach them, what is the goal, right? And almost every company will tell you it's lead generation. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they're trying to use digital marketing to take someone who has never heard of them, Mm-hmm. has no information about their company whatsoever, knows nothing about what solutions they offer for their problems and take them from complete stranger to buying something in one step. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the way that marketing works, mm-hmm. right? At, at a bare minimum, it should be a two-step process, right? Where you should have, uh, you want to get somebody in the door and then you want to activate them, you know, having them become a subscriber or, um, you know, somehow follow you, become an email subscriber, YouTube, Facebook follower, whatever, feed them a little bit of content, then you're going to try and convert them, right? So mm-hmm. you need to activate mm-hmm. them before you convert them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from a digital marketing perspective, I think people are a bit naive on the amount of competition that there is. Mm-hmm. So when you're marketing online, your competitor is not the guy down the street. Your competitor is every single thing on every device on the internet that every person is holding, Yeah. right? Yeah. So whether or not somebody is going to watch your advertisement or read your post or read your email is competing with every other thing they could be doing at that moment, mm-hmm. which is Absolutely. tons of stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it better be exceptional, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean... Nobody's going to read it or watch it or do it. That's right. right. And unless by some pure chance they have a huge problem they have to solve immediately and they happen to see your contact at the right time and see the solution. And that doesn't happen very often. Right. right? And I mean, so a lot of times you would do that with like a pull method of marketing like Google pay-per-click sure. ads or something like that or Bing ads where somebody can go type in emergency plumbers in Waterloo, Ontario mm-hmm. and find one, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, but again, there's going to be more than one of those, right? There's yep. probably five, 10, you know, of the ones running ads, there's probably three or four. The only one you're going to see first is based on who pays the most money, yep. right? That's right. Unless, and there's an unless, unless somebody has an ad that's written so cleverly that people click on it more often than any of the other ones. Mm. And in that case, yes. the engagement rate goes up because people yep. are clicking on it more often. That makes your ad cheaper. So yes. you can actually pay less than a competitor and have your ad show up above them. Right. Right. And when you can okay. get a client for less money than your competitor, you'll always win in the long run. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw a different one in tiny sure. different perspective. What if your first stage is non-digital marketing? What, what if you have a radio campaign that takes care of part of that initial initial um, attention getting and familiarity? So someone says, ah, oh, yeah, I've just searched for the emergency plumber. And um, I remember hearing about them because they were on the radio this morning when I was driving to work. Is that going to help your digital marketing? So 
you want something if you're going to use a branding campaign and radio mm -hmm. is branding mm -hmm. right um, anything where you are kind of broadcasting a large message to like a message to a large audience mm -hmm. is is branding yeah and what you want is in your branding, you want something that triggers uh, an emotion that will fix to a memory. And mm -hmm. that, that memorable item is what they go look up online. And that's where things like SEO come in because yep. you want them to look up that thing and find you. And like, if let's say, again, it's, it's an emergency plumber in your radio commercial, you could be like, you know, Waterloo emergency plumbers were the guys with the blue hats. And you say that right. over and over and over. And then yep. somebody's going to type in emergency plumber, blue hat, blue hat. Yep. And if you have that on your website several times, Google knows that you're the correct answer for the question. Where do I find the plumber with the blue hat? Mm -hmm. And then now yep. that's how you get them. Right. And, right. and you don't have to pay for Google ads to do that because you've already, you know, helped them learn that from the repetition on the radio. On the radio, right, right, right. We, we're getting through our time. I wanted, we want to talk to you about your book. So it's, sure. you've written a number, but the one that intrigued me was Flattening the Hamster Wheel. So tell our audience a little bit about that. Flattening the Hamster Wheel is about people who are spinning their wheels in their small business and they get stuck. Right. And the kind of the idea between flattening the hamster wheels, if you had the round of a hamster wheel and you yep. were to disconnect it, it kind of turns into a train track. Ah, right? Right, so you right, can flatten right. it out and you could get going again instead of spinning your wheels. Spinning your wheels. People are spinning their wheels constantly on tasks that they should not be doing that mm -hmm. have no major impact on their marketing or their business. Right. And I'll give you a good example. Facebook's a perfect example. You have got literally millions of businesses who are posting on Facebook, say, three to five times a week, mm -hmm. who have an engagement rate that's less than half a percent. So, you know, three of their customers and their mom are the only ones seeing their message that they're putting on Facebook and they're creating a new message every week, creating an image in Canva or Photoshop or whatever to put on it, mm -hmm. getting that all put in, putting in their scheduling system and all this kind of stuff. And it takes them, what, 10, 20 hours a month to do all mm -hmm. this posting. Mm -hmm. And of all of that posting, they're getting zero clients. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. if they posted twice a month or once a week on Facebook, use something like, you know, creator tools on Facebook or something to post across Instagram and Facebook at the same time, they could cut that down to one hour a month mm -hmm. and they could spend the other nine to 19 hours of time that they're doing trying to craft a better email marketing message, uh, get actually have conversations with customers, go to business networking. There's all kinds of things you can do. And in my book, there's actually a strategy. Uh, it's called ICE. It's I-C-C-E. Um, and I won't get into everything about it, but the very short version is it teaches you how to score the amount of time and effort and cost that it's going to take to do a task. Mm -hmm. And then you can rank those so that you can easily see what the next thing you should do is. Ah, right. Very good. And it's actually pulled from the manufacturing world. Okay. Okay. I need to get your book because we fall into that trap. Well, I certainly do. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody does sooner or later, right. but yeah. We're running low on time, but I do want to ask, I did want to ask you what motivated you to start uh, a podcast. So we want to do a podcast for a long time. And 
the actual original motivation, which which is still my motivation now, is I really like meeting and talking to interesting people, right? Just like you guys, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, man, it is being able to meet so many people who are you know, passionate about what they do and um, people who've gone through things that I haven't gone through before, maybe that come from different industries, a lot of times different countries. You know, I talk to people all over the world on a regular basis. Um, it's an amazing way to connect with people. And, and honestly, that's why I do it. It's not yeah. a lead generation system for us, not that it does not create leads for us, but that's not the goal. The goal is to help business owners, you know, get ahead uh, especially small business owners, because they get the raw end of the stick a lot of times, especially as we saw through COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when COVID hit and we were in lockdown, we started doing four to five episodes a week mm. and just trying to find anybody we could that would help people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were helping people with budgeting and like how to get better deals from their vendors and, and like all these things that could help businesses stay alive. And uh, it's pretty rewarding, you know, to be able to help people in that way. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the amount of contacts and friends and stuff we've made in the last couple of years over, you know, I think we recorded our 166th episode yesterday. Wow. Well done. Very good. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we've only published 156, but we recorded yeah. more. <laughs> Excellent. I've got to sneak in with a, with a final question and it, and I ask most of our guests who've done well in life to, sure. You've interviewed 100, over 150 marketers, you, you said on your website. So you've, you've got a good insight into what sets the successful apart. Is, is there one thing that the successful do or don't do that the people who don't make it do or don't do? I think that they are able to iterate really well. Mm -hmm. So they're able to figure out what it is that they're doing um, with their business, um, whether it's marketing or sales or, 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 or any of the kind of departments in your business, and they're able to constantly improve each one of those things. And that constant iteration and constant improvement, uh, for one, it stops you from stagnating or getting stuck yeah. in your business, um, but it also you know, provides you with efficiencies that you wouldn't normally get. And all of that stuff adds up over the long run because it's basically it's an asset instead of a liability so over the long run you're just building yeah. more and more and more assets and uh you know it's uh it's amazing to see how some people have come so far um you know when they're passionate about their idea and they just keep making it better and better mm -hmm. yeah good good answer yeah that's important back to kathleen to finish off so so matt how do people contact you you can be on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Matt Rouse on LinkedIn. You can go to MatthewRouse.com. Is M A T T H E W R O U S E. Um, our United States company is HookSEO.com. Our Canadian version is HookDM.ca. Um, and we're on pretty much every social media you could imagine. So you could just type Matt Rouse or HookSEO into anything. You pretty much find me. Great. We will put that on the. On the video below this point of the video and in the description. So to our audience, that's how you get hold of Matt. And he's well, well worth getting hold of, as you've heard from this short episode. Thanks, Matt. Back to Casey. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Matt, for, for joining us today. And thank you all so much for tuning in. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And again, if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. So until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.